ladies and gentlemen, I have to start this episode by apologizing. First, I want to apologize to Troy for my tardiness. Because, uh, unfortunately, my girlfriend came home early today and was sick. And uh, I was trying to help her to bed. And he was trying to coordinate this podcast. Had some great ideas. And uh, I kept putting it off until now, 11 o'clock at night. Um, but second, I want to apologize to all of our fans. We've been gone for a, uh, a very long time. And I know you guys have been waiting patiently. And uh, we, I, unfortunately, I deprived you guys of a great episode. Uh, two weeks ago, after Hell in a Cell, we recorded what was possibly the greatest episode of the Golden Shovel podcast to ever exist. Um, it had the hottest takes, the most instant reactions of any podcast that we've ever uh, recorded and will ever record. Um, some of those hot takes included uh, that Jinder Mahal and Sami Zayn should form a tag team named The Bombers. Which uh, I really was not in support of, but uh, for probably reasons you don't really need to be uh, explained any further. Um, and there were suggestions that Bailey, uh, who may or may not have a large uh, bottom, uh, mark her territory mid-ring uh, in front of all the fans. Uh, again, probably needs a little more explanation, but I'm not really willing to elaborate on that one. <coughs> but... Um, most importantly, I wanted to apologize to, uh, man, the man that Fresh Out the Deli's Twitter forgot. Uh, a man who is now currently apparently on strike because we called him and we've texted him and he's just not answering us. Uh, David is missing in action. He's not asleep because his bedtime is 2 o'clock. Uh, I, I don't know. Troy, where is he? What are we doing? I think I think this comes down to I think we have to really break down the issue here. Um, so what happened was we recorded this podcast the night of Hell in a Cell. That was a terrible idea because what you have to realize is is after a pay per view you've now been drawn out and in like in very high pressure like watching situations for four hours. And so by the end of that podcast, we were all completely exhausted. I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning. It was. And so David, just out of sheer necessity to keep the thing going, said some very outrageous things (laughs) that, to be fair, were 100 out of 100 on the entertainment scale. I mean, uh, it was one of the best nights of my life just listening to him yell about things that make no sense. But with that came me and Nick, responsible human beings, having to sit back and think, okay, do we publish that? What do we cut? What don't we cut? Um, And by the time we had decided that, we kind of forgot to post it. Yeah. And, And so David, you know, was a little upset. And you have to understand that, you know, this podcast does mean a lot to David. You know, he's a huge wrestling fan, and so it means a lot for him to come on here whenever we do it and talk wrestling. And, you know, I remember him texting me a couple days after, where's the podcast? Text me a couple days after that, where's the podcast? I had texted you both, but you had been busy and I had been busy at that time. And, um, you know, I'd come to him today after, 
you know, TLC was today, yesterday and Raw was tonight. And I wanted to do the podcast either yesterday or today. And he said, I'm on strike. And I said, well, what do we have to do to get you off strike? And he said that he just wants to be recognized as the biggest draw on this podcast, which he is because he says the, the most outrageous stuff. I mean, I um, I think it's fair to say that our podcast probably draws six or seven people, four of which may be David's friends. He's probably the biggest draw. And I would agree. I would agree that he is the biggest draw. And so, um, you know, we've reached out. We're in contact currently. And so, you know, hopefully we can end the strike tonight mid-podcast. But if not... Hopefully he's back by Survivor Series. We'd love that. The Survivor Series preview. Now, are we sure he doesn't have a viral infection? Uh, we'd hope that he doesn't have a viral infection, but I did talk to him as little as an hour and a half ago. Now, if he fell asleep in that time, uh, that would be record-setting. Th- that would definitely uh, point to some sort of medical condition that uh, maybe he's undiagnosed. He- he texted us in the Golden Shovel group chat 40 minutes ago. Wow, time flies. That was 40 minutes? Yeah, that was 40 minutes ago. Oh, my God. Maybe he died. Maybe he, died. he doesn't live in the best part of Weston. <laughs> if somebody could manage Shank. to get murdered in Weston, I guess it would yeah, be him. Shank. <laughs> so, I mean, that's possible. But, um, you know, David will be listening. If I know David, he'll be listening. And so, you know, even if he doesn't make it mid-podcast, I think it comes from me and you saying, we want you back, buddy. Hey, let's bring, let's bring the team together. It this all, is like the, it's like the shield. And right now we're, we've lost Roman Reigns because he has a viral infection. Well, as um, as I guess the architect of the Golden Shovel – uh, I just want to take take responsibility for possibly breaking us up, and I want to apologize for not posting the podcast in a timely manner last time. But like you said, we were both very busy last week, and I just after Monday afternoon, I just completely forgot until Friday, and then on Friday I was at ACL, and my phone got stolen, and I just I completely forgot until it was too late. I just that was it. Plus, I wasn't aware. Phone got stolen. Oh yeah, somebody just like took the phone right out of my pocket, and that was it. It was gone. It was in a gigantic what? crowd. Couldn't find the person or anything. Trained pickpockets, man. Yeah, dangerous. I, I felt it too, but it's like when you're in a crowd of a thousand people, even if you feel it and you look around, it could be any of the dozens right around you. You know. Yeah. So and then you just start erroneously just accusing people of things they may or may not <laughs> commit. Right, like I could just start screaming, who took my phone? But, like, who's going to answer? It's not the guy. <laughs> very, very similar to, like, Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> when the people steal his, when he thinks the people stole his plane ticket, and he's in the airport, <laughs> all the people, I know what you did. When he has no idea who he's talking to. Similar, uh, this is a, a great, great, Troy, you're a genius. It's a great segue to go into uh, last night because right after the, uh, right after TLC, the uh, first ever tables, ladders, chairs, pay-per-view without a tables or ladders or chairs or stairs or match chairs. 
The stairs match is still the worst match in WWE history. It makes no sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but, you know, there was a TLC pay-per-view that didn't ha- literally had no weapons matches until the last match that wasn't a ta- it wasn't a TLC match. It just happened to have T-Bulls around and be a, a what's it called? A no disqualifications match. It was just Basically. convenient. But uh, it's a great segue because right after the match, I uh, I said that Kurt Angle pulled a Larry David because uh, <laughs> because in the Seinfeld reunion season, George Costanza decides to walk off the, uh, walk off the set because he just doesn't agree with some of the changes Larry's making, and Larry just says, "I could be George," and he goes and he without rewriting the script or explaining in the in the context of the of Seinfeld why George looks so different or why it's a different person, he just pretends to be George. And this is what Kurt Angle did. Roman Reigns, unfortunately, couldn't fight. And they're like, what are we going to do with this main event? Do we have to change it? Do we have to postpone it? And Kurt Angle just said, I could be Roman Reigns. And they didn't change the booking. They didn't change the spots. They didn't change the entrance. He wore the same exact outfit. He had the same theme song. They did the same approach. It made no sense at all. It was just like Roman Reigns went from a 31-year-old, giant-haired, bearded man to a 50-year-old, shortish, bald guy who hasn't wrestled in 20 years. It was ridiculous. The original match didn't have Roman Reigns leaving for 20 minutes, but I'm assuming that was also because it's Kurt Angle and he hasn't wrestled in 11 years. So let's try and limit the wear and tear on his body. Even still, I could totally see them having a match where one of the members of the Shield gets taken out really early and carted off, and then the other guys get punched and the other guy comes back. They do that every year. Yeah, and I thought tonight on Raw was hilarious because it was another kind of we have no idea what we're doing because of these infections. <laughs> right. To where they just scheduled that ending where it's like, Kurt's going to announce the five guys who are in the men's match for the traditional Survivor Series, and then SmackDown just comes and bullies the entire roster because they're trying to see who's going to be healthy for that match. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I got to say, out of all the bad business decisions that they've made over the last uh, couple months, tonight may have been the worst. Because if you have a viral infection going through the Raw locker room, the absolute worst thing you could do is potentially exposing the entire SmackDown roster to that viral infection. Well, because you have to assume that they aren't all hanging out together because they have different travel schedules and stuff. So, like, if yeah, one no, of those people on Raw still has that infection or is carrying some sort of traits, now you're exposing the entire company to this infection that's taking out these superstars. It makes no sense. And I don't want to trash the segment because I actually liked the segment. I thought it was cool and in my typical David, how would I book it? <laughs> I would love to see Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle at Survivor Series. Yeah, I can but, get that. But there were some really weird moment segments in that thing that I didn't understand. One, where was Kane? <laughs> Two, why was Seth Rollins standing on top of a forklift <laughs> as the SmackDown roster charged through the halls? <laughs> and the biggest one I have is three. Was Matt Hardy taking a shit when the SmackDown locker 
came and pulled him out of the bathroom <laughs> and started beating the crap out of him. Uh, I, these are great questions. I don't think we're going to really get answers to. I mean, I'd like to assume that Seth just enjoys standing atop of high things in the backstage area. Maybe he's like maybe they maybe him and Dean because they're kind of bored. They play you know that game when you're a kid that like you can't touch the lava, and the yeah, floor is the lava. Like couldn't you see that they just happen to be mid game when the the roster came? But the thing I don't get is then at that point you have seen or at least you see a bunch of blue shirt people that aren't your people. Why jump onto them? There are 20 of them and one of you. You're not a giant. You're not going to squish them all. Uh, Stay on top of the forklift and be safe. They would have never seen them up there. <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to climb. That's for sure. They would have, he would have gotten through the attack unscathed. And nobody can blame him for that. Kane did. <laughs> well, Kane was Why? under the ring. Brock Lesnar did. Yeah, that's true. Brock would have been helpful. Braun Strowman is flat like a pancake, <laughs> so he can't help you. Hmm. We're going to get to that later. But. I mean, but to to, to uh, just complete your thought on because of this infection, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, obviously that segment uh, – is an example of we just need as many people on each show as possible because we might be running out of people. Uh, but also to start the segment or to start the night, instead of Kurt filling in, they had AJ filling in for Roman. Um, that's another just random. Let's throw these guys together because it's kind of cool, but it makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, and then the next match right after that, you know, Kane comes out and pummels them all, and then. <laughs> Well, Bray Wyatt's out. We need Finn to do something. Let's have Finn fight Kane. <laughs> like, it's it made no sense again. Which, and, transitive properties, that also means that Kane just beat AJ Styles. Because AJ Styles lost to Finn the night before. And then Finn lost to Kane. Although it was Demon Finn, I guess. Well, here's the thing that I didn't understand at all. Why? And I want to give a lot of credit to AJ Styles for even doing that because he was in South America, flew that day to get to the pay-per-view, and then stayed to wrestle again. Mm-hmm. But AJ Styles is your best superstar. Like He's easily probably in the top three most popular guys in the company. Why are you making him do that? You couldn't find somebody else? It's true. And, you know, the other thing I actually – just a pet peeve of mine is I always hate when they announce, like, the the secret or the special appearances. Like, oh. Oh, my. Is that David? Play my entrance music. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) This is like the Royal Rumble. The strike is over. Play my music. Oh my god! I just saw the picture pop up. I'm shocked. I talk. It's talking about special appearances. The timing could have been more perfect. David, <laughs> <laughs> you're really gonna enjoy the first part of the podcast. We we made a big apology to you. You're gonna have to listen to it. I feel like that's not true at all. I feel like I've been roasted. <laughs> oh no! You're gonna be pleasantly surprised, and your timing couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> 
It really could. Listen, couldn't. I still need to air my grievances. But for the better of the network, I'm not going to do it. Oh, man. I was fully expecting a CM Punk pipe bomb. <laughs> I was ready to go. Trust me. Oh, go. And I know it probably just end up getting cut like our last pay-per-view segment. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't uh, believe he's here. It's so perfect. I love this podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. Listen, I got five minutes, so let's hurry this up. Five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, David, why don't you start us off? Just talk about the pay-per-view. Give us your five-minute absolute crazy, <sighs> this is how I would book it, five minutes of TLC. You know, it was um, it was an average pay-per-view. It was the worst pay-per-view in, in years. I don't think it was that bad. It's awful, and it, and it's not any fault of WWE because they were put in a tough place. But it was the worst pay-per-view in a, in a long time. <sighs> Look, I got five minutes, so I'm just gonna do my quick takes. Right, put the timer on the clock. Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox. This is the third time I've seen it. They did the exact same match three weeks in a row. It was pretty much the same shit. I was surprised by Alicia Fox. She's been getting a little better. She's still terrible, though. Uh, It's strange how she lost the exact same way three times in a row. Um, It was a mediocre women's match, but it was a little better than I expected. It's a pre-show match. I'm surprised I even watched it. Oscar versus Emma was pretty good match but i don't think it's what should have been booked i think you hyped up oscar so much and she came in and uh she maybe might have let emma get in too much offense you got to think that emma is someone who only shows up on tv to lose basically she's basically the jobber her whole gimmick is i don't get on put on tv enough and when she does she just loses so she wins one match to get in this and uh, you know, they hype up this is the great Asuka, and she's basically struggling against her. Asuka also looked noticeably slower. This might have been because she's just coming off injury and was rushed back. But, I mean, overall, this match was kind of a disappointment for me. But still, it was a pretty good uh, women's match. But I've seen Asuka and Emma have better matches in NXT. And at the same time, I think this should have just been a squash. Uh, Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan versus Gentleman Jack Gallagher, Byron Kendrick. I've been watching 205 Live. The storyline's been great. The crowd was more into it than I thought, but they were still kind of dead. A good wrestling display. This probably was the second best match of the night. And it was uh, pretty good. I'm surprised it got eight minutes. This was a good match. Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James was absolutely terrible. Um, I think it went on too long. The crowd got completely dead. The We Want Tables chanting it basically summed up how I felt about it. At a certain point, even I was barely paying attention. I was scrolling through Twitter for most of the match. Uh, Alexa Bliss winning wasn't much of a surprise. I did like Mickey James' promo at the end, though. Speaking of promos, the Elias appearances throughout the whole pay-per-view were absolutely terrible. Jason Jordan throwing the, the vegetables didn't make any sense. It made me very confused. Uh, Elias's my boy, though, I hope he ends up getting a good spot. Enzo Mori versus Kalista was probably the worst match I've seen in the ye- of this entire year. Enzo can't wrestle for shit. I'm surprised if he had the same meningitis that everyone else had. I don't know why he had to cut a three-minute promo. He could barely speak. Um, I think it was obvious Kalista was going to drop it 
And uh, you just think how sad that we had Austin Aries against Neville at WrestleMania, one of the greatest matches of the year, and they're both out of the company now. And it's because you give Enzo the title. Uh, Finn Balor versus AJ, 18 minutes. Uh, this was probably supposed to be the greatest match of all time. It felt a little disappointing. I don't want to say it was a bad match because it was still really good. Uh, I can't really blame AJ, though. He was in Argentina on Friday, Chile on Saturday, working both shows, and flown in here uh, do a show now, impromptu, you know. He did as best he could. This was a good match, best of the night. Um, the moment at the end was cool, you know, as a Bullet Club fan, but it is kind of weird how, you know, they send all the cease and desist letters to them, and then they're kind of stealing their thing, but that's another point entirely. Uh, Jason Jordan versus Elias. I feel bad for Jason Jordan because his gimmick is absolute garbage. The fans aren't behind him, but he's actually proven to be a pretty good wrestler. Uh, I like Elias a lot. The finish didn't make any sense, but I guess we had the rematch on Raw, which I'm getting tired of watching the pay-per-view, and then you see two or three matches from the pay-per-view the next night on Raw. It's really terrible. Uh, as for the main event, it was an absolute clusterfuck. It was Vince Russo 2000 WCW booking. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. It went on way too long. I wish Kurt Angle didn't come out in the Shield gimmick. It ruined his return for me. And the only thing that could have saved it is when he came back, if he would have came back in the singlet. If he would have came back in the singlet, I would have changed my first name to Mark because that would have been the greatest <laughs> thing to have ever happened. But he comes back in the shield outfit and he looked absolutely ridiculous. You've seen all the memes of him, but uh, it was still cool to see Angle come back. I just didn't want to see it this way. As for the Strowman getting compacted, it doesn't really make any sense because I think they killed the man, which is fucking retarded. <laughs> and you can say, sure, he survived the ambulance crash, but remember, this is the man who lost in 1F5. So you're telling me that he's going to come back from being compacted in a garbage truck, but he loses in 1F5. The booking doesn't make any sense. Also, I never want to see Kane again, and the fact that Kane beat fucking Finn Balor doesn't make any sense today on Monday Night Raw. Uh, besides that, oh yeah, also, Cesaro and Sheamus did absolutely nothing in this match match which is really disappointing and of course the miz eats another pin and uh yeah i thought kurt looked okay i guess i felt like he was playing up uh being gassed kind of in the beginning i feel like he was playing it up because he kind of showed the intensity at the end so uh yeah i feel like we're going to see kurt again i think the original plan was to see kurt at survivor series because there's no way he's passing the physical and ready to go on a day's notice so i think he was already being planned and they bumped up his return uh but overall, this was kind of a letdown because I thought Kurt's you know, return should be a lot bigger deal. Um, but hey, you know what? I didn't really want to see the demon versus Sister Abigail. So uh, this is a lot better. And uh, yeah, best of wishes to JoJo. I hope she feels better. As for uh, Bray and Roman, I'm fine if meningitis kills him. Thanks, guys. What about Bo? Oh, he's gone. That's it. <laughs> he hung up. He just hung up. Wow. <laughs> That was great, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's I've <laughs> that never heard him speak so quickly. So uh, he was so passionate, and uh, he ran through the entire card. I don't think he missed anything. I mean, At least it's a lot to talk about. I think he left in an opening there that would be what I want to see, which would be Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, because Kurt's not going to wrestle anybody else from SmackDown. Well, and it, it gives you the excuse to. Give one of the old guys a pin finally, because um, Shane McMahon, you know, bringing him out there to to wrestle these uh, pretty good people once or twice a year, only to get destroyed. Uh, he needs to win eventually. And Kurt, if he goes and actually wins against somebody who's twenty years younger than him, uh, you're going to have some uh, 
some pretty upset fans, a la Goldberg and uh, Brock Lesnar. So uh, pinning those two old guys against each other, I mean, it kind of sounds lame because they're both old, but at least one of them can get a clean win. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's kind of the match I want to see from Survivor Series. But I think, I don't know, this is going to be the first Survivor Series, obviously, the first real Survivor Series since the brand split, because last year was kind of like a half, like, brand split Survivor Series and half, like, okay, let's just throw in different SmackDown versus SmackDown, Raw versus Raw guys. Mm-hmm. This, this seems to have all the makings of a serious Raw versus SmackDown pay-per-view, which I think is a lot more fun if it's done that way. Yep, I, I always have kind of like a pet peeve when they have um, this like rivalry come out of nowhere between the two shows. Because obviously, right when the brand, brand split happened, um, they were playing that up pretty big. That like Raw wants to have better ratings, or SmackDown wants to have better ratings, and we have the better team. And with with how the timing of that worked with Survivor Series last year, I guess maybe it was two. I guess it was last year. Um, yeah, you know, it made sense that the rivalry still existed, but we haven't heard any sort of uh, talk about the, there being a rivalry since last Survivor Series between Raw and SmackDown. And not only that, yesterday, AJ Styles, if there was this rivalry, he wouldn't have helped Raw uh, with their show. So, I mean, I understand it's kind of just a fun thing, and I, I like it that it's a pay-per-view, and I, I love the cross-promotion every once in a while, but... Uh, just, I think it's a little weird when all of a sudden we're supposed to care and Shane McMahon's going to go and get his whole roster to come beat up these other people that are like they were friends with all of four minutes ago just because they have this pay-per-view coming up. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think there was a little bit of it back when Mick Foley was general manager, but then again, that could have been last year. I feel like that was a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. But maybe. Um I think it's time for us to kind of run down this card and, and figure out what we thought. I mean, David kind of gave us some some good things to talk about there. I thought. I think I think uh, just based on you saying it's the worst pay per view you've ever seen uh, of all time, and David saying he thinks it's pretty average. I think I probably liked it more than both of you guys a little bit. Uh, not going to say that I thought it was great by any means, and obviously it was kind of sloppy. But I liked how kind of. Um, authentic it felt, and I thought it felt different just because, it, like, these pay-per-views have gotten so templated where you know exactly what matches are happening and you can telegraph them out from a month or two months away and you've got a title match and then a down match and then a title match and then a down match and then a title match and then a, the main, you know what I mean? It's they yeah. get really predictable and really formulaic, and every month you just mix one or two different people around. So I think... I I actually kind of liked that uh, the stakes were a little different in this one. Um, You only had the two title matches, and they were small. You had the main event, which, you know, was quirky, but I I could just imagine how good that main event would have been if Roman was there. Um, I think that would have been really interesting. And the Elias stuff definitely went on too long with Jason Jordan, um, and it wasn't that funny. But at the same time, it's a kind of a, a shtick that used there used to be spots like that every few pay-per-views, and we really haven't had that since the brand split. We haven't had any like kind of segments like that or long-running jokes throughout a pay-per-view. Um, it's really just been match after match after match after match or match promo, match promo. Um, so I kind of liked how that broke it up a little bit, even if I didn't like the segment that much. And the same thing with the AJ Finn, just having two guy, two really good wrestlers that everybody likes, 
um, have a really good match with no stakes at all just for fun uh, is, and it's something that's just kind of different. Um, and it was just right in the middle of the card. Uh, it was a good match. It wasn't too, too long. Um, but it made you kind of think, oh, well, if they, if they go this direction uh, in the future, if they both wind up being on the same show, uh, you know, in a few months, uh, I could really see a cool feud coming out, uh, out of this. So I, I, I'm not going to say that any of the matches individually were great. And I'm not going to say that the show, as a whole, it was great because obviously they were fighting a lot, but I did feel like um, – I felt like – I liked – I felt it was a change of pace from the monotony of the never-ending same old, same old pay-per-views, uh, even if it wasn't executed perfectly. The reason why I say it was the worst pay-per-view I've seen in a while is just because I, I watched it, and, and I think you touched on it a little bit, is I watched it, and while I was watching it, I realized – this pay-per-view could have been, and again, this is not WWE's fault, but as I was watching it, I just kept thinking to myself, man, this could have been a really good pay-per-view if they had the ability to do it the way they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the only matches I really liked were that Os- were Oscar's debut, obviously, even if it was against Emma, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but it's Oscar, And just to watch her wrestle is fun. Um, and I didn't mind Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, or Gallagher and Kendrick. I liked that match. I don't want to see Mickey James anymore. Same. Um, I don't think. I mean, I like Enzo as cruiserweight champion, unlike David, but I don't like Kalisto. Also, so, also agree. I don't want to see that. I want to see. I want to see Enzo fight a real cruiserweight, not. Kalisto, who's like half cruiserweight, half could be main roster guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love Finn Balor and AJ, especially Demon Finn and AJ, on any other circumstance, but with no buildup, with not fleshing out the whole Bullet Club thing and absolutely no buildup to it, I would I wouldn't have done it. Well, I, I don't think it's just one of those things that you should just throw AJ on a plane for and say, "Oh, people are going to watch it because it's Finn and AJ." I thought it would have been more fun if you had built it up, promoted it as, holy crap, it's the last two leaders of the Bullet Club, Finn and AJ, are fighting. I think I, – I agree with you. Um, I didn't like that Finn was in the Demon outfit, even though obviously he was scheduled to be in it. But like because it was a one-off, and I didn't see any reason for him to be in the Demon outfit. And once he came out in that, you knew that he had to win the match. Yeah, that was the problem is that once he came out, he had to win. Right. So, like, so I kind of felt bad. I would have much rather it just been normal Finn versus normal AJ. And like I was trying to say earlier before David surprised us with his guest appearance, um, <laughs> I, I, I hate when they telegraph special guests. Um, like the Oscar debut for the last two months saying that it's going to be this exact day kind of bothered me because would, I would yeah. have loved to be able to pop for Oscar's debut not knowing exactly who it would be against or where. Um, and I think they did it all right uh, this time around. But generally, I, I like being surprised every once in a while. And I would have would have really enjoyed if instead of on Friday afternoon saying that Kurt would be in the main event and that AJ was going to fight Finn, if like Finn just came out there and started talking for maybe two or three minutes alone, saying you know Bray Wyatt isn't here tonight. Um, maybe he was scared, so so and so. But you know the demon didn't have to come out tonight. And then AJ just happens to show up. And they have a match. I think that would have been much cooler 
and more authentic feeling. And, you know, even if there wasn't that storyline, just having it as a surprise appearance, you would have at least had that pop. I mean, you would have went crazy if you didn't know AJ was going to be there and all of a sudden he showed up to fight him. Uh, it yeah. just would have it would have ramped it up so much because I think people got excited when they first saw it, but then you had a day or two to digest that it was happening and you knew it was coming and he was the first one to come out to the ring and then it was Demon Finn and just it all kind of made it just – it was a normal fight when it could have been so much more. Yeah, and I think that's the problem is that I didn't really understand why Finn was in Demon and I think Corey Graves on the – show gave some really bad reasoning for why i was like well he had already tapped into it preparing for the match that doesn't happen it doesn't make any sense if he tapped into it why can't he tap out of it if he tapped into it and aj hadn't shown up are we supposed to imagine that finn was just going to like murder somebody in the street like he had to kill someone yeah it didn't make any sense, so I feel like it would have just it would have been that would have match would have been so much cooler if it would have just been regular Finn versus AJ. Mm-hmm. But the minute Demon walks out, you're like, "Well, I know who's going to win. Why am I even watching this?" Right, and, it, like, they're, and it they're doesn't. Gonna, they're going to put on a wrestling show, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no backstory to it, and I know who's going to win. So why am I watching? Right, and I mean if. If you didn't know the Finn was going to win already just because it happened to be a Raw pay-per-view and obviously they're going to make the Raw person go over. I mean, it'd be shocking if the SmackDown person went over anyway. But yeah, the, the face paint 100% gave it away after. And it kind of just kind of deprives us of a moment that we could have gotten a year from now when they actually have their um, the, their inevitable the full fully fleshed out feud. Um, it's not going to mean anything when he comes out as Demon Finn for the first time against AJ in a year because we already saw the match. Yeah, and, and after that, I don't want to see Jason Jordan or Elias anymore. I'm tired of Elias. Uh, I know everybody likes to boo him when he's out there and, like, singing. I, he just annoys me. I walk away. It, I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree, and Jason Jordan is a real. They're both really good wrestlers, which is upsetting too. Like Elias looks so giant, and yeah, and tonight when he beat the hell out of Jason Jordan with the uh, guitar, that was pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Jason Jordan thing, like nobody bought it, and so like now it's like, well, we can't say that he's not Kurt Angle's son. So we're just going to distance him from Kurt in any given way possible. Yeah. Hopefully people get. I think that's the problem when you do something like that. When you say that somebody who's not the son of another person is, like, you can't take that away once it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in the world of WWE, Jason Jordan is now Kurt Angle's son forever. And Kurt Angle's just abusing his son and ignoring him now. Like, he got yeah. bored of him after two weeks. Just like how Hornswoggle forever is Vince McMahon's son. Oh, my God. That doesn't change just because we don't see Hornswoggle or Vince McMahon anymore. In the WWE world, that's still his son. It's a terrible thing to do. It makes sense if, like, if Charlotte had come to the WWE and nobody had known that she was Ric Flair's daughter, and then one day you're like, oh, she's Ric Flair's daughter, that's fine because she's actually Ric Flair's daughter. Or or if Bo Dallas joined the Wyatt family. It makes sense because they're actually brothers. 
it doesn't make sense and it should never work in which you take somebody who is not related to Kurt Angle and make them and, and really even worse it's not even the same color as Kurt Angle <laughs> I, I'm, like Kurt Angle I feel so bad because this weekend I was I don't remember who I was talking to or maybe I was listening to something but in the conversation I I kept thinking that Jason Jordan was white and it's because Kurt Angle's white but Jason Jordan's not white at all no, he's very much a black, uh, a black man, and I, I feel bad because in my head, because of Kurt Angle, I, I don't think of him as a black guy anymore, which is so strange. And so when Hornswoggle was found out to be Vince's son, that was okay because it was a, a comedy angle, like it had no actual bearing on the company or the landscape of the the product on the show. When they did Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle, they made it out to be some very serious storyline that threatened Kurt Angle's career. And it didn't threaten Kurt Angle's career. They helped Jason Jordan for like two weeks. He got an Intercontinental Championship match, and then he lost. And now it's like, eh, okay, well, it didn't work. So we're just going to stop doing it now. Yeah, the Jason Jordan angle, the only thing it really did was propelled the Miz Kurt Angle feud a little bit. A little bit. That's like, true. Like it kind of added fire to that flame, but that's not a really a, a legitimate feud and you just ruined potentially somebody's entire career to make the Miz mad at Kurt Angle. Yeah, and that and you can make a a, a heel superstar mad at a general manager any which way you want. I mean, just look at how The Miz got mad at Daniel Bryan. You could do that exact same thing. Is this Kurt Angle on Van Pelt right now? Is oh, oh, no, that's just the normal bald guy that's on Van Pelt. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not Van Pelt, the other bald guy. That was Stanford Steve. Yeah, I just I looked real quick. It was, he was Kurt Angle-esque. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I, I just, I don't want to see Jason Jordan. I don't. I, I don't want to see him unless they're going to – I would like them to finish at least that storyline or for him to turn on his father for being such a dick. Yeah, and and I feel like the only match in this pay-per-view actually worth talking about other than Finn and AJ is, is that main event. And that's simply because – David said it. It was a clusterfuck. And it would have been so much better with Roman Reigns. But it was still really fun to watch. Especially once Kurt got taken out of the match. Like the 20 minutes that Kurt wasn't in there was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do... I like... As much as I hate to say it... I like that they're gonna. It seems like they're gonna give Kane one more run as a big monster, because it's been so long since he's been anything legitimate, and I think he puts in the time with WWE that he deserves one more run as something that isn't just a joke. Um, so I, I kind of like that they made him look pretty powerful the last two weeks, and uh, him turning on Braun was pretty intense. Uh, the chairs falling out of the ceiling were incredible. It was. It was great. 
And I thought the whole Kane Braun thing was perfectly done. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that they'd be intimidated by each other. And, like, it, it gives Braun a big person to fight who has kind of that mythical power. And it's, you know, it just gives him something to do. And it, it might be out of nowhere, but I, I'm okay with that. All right, Nick. I'm channeling my inner David here off of this thing of Strawn, Braun Strowman and Kane, how I would book it. All right. I've thought about this for a day, and it makes perfect sense. Kane starts tearing through the WWE locker room like Braun Strowman did. Braun Strowman comes back after un- after plumping some helium into him and giving him a full-rounded form after getting crushed by the trash compactor. They have a big match. Kane wins. Nobody's been able to beat Braun Strowman, and it doesn't bury Braun Strowman because Kane wins in a mythological kind of way. He sets the ring on fire or something, and he beats Braun Strowman that way. So that way you can still say, well, Braun Strowman can't lose to regular humans. Kane continues to dominate the WWE. And then, realizing that somebody needs to put Kane down before he destroys the company and all the superstars in it, The Undertaker comes back and beats Kane at WrestleMania, and both of them retire. I can be okay with that. What if... Here's one wrench to throw into this. What if after Kane takes out the entire roster, instead of The Undertaker coming back... He then buries Kurt Angle alive and becomes Corporate Kane, the GM of Raw. I don't want to see Corporate <laughs> Kane anymore. I'm tired of Corporate Kane. It was a failure when he did it the first time. I don't want it again. I want to see badass Kane go for one more run and then The Undertaker bury him. I'm cool with that. You know, they sh- they should have uh, – they really missed out. Um, and I know wrestling fans are smart now, so they don't need everything laid out for them. But they could have very easily uh, kind of just explained why Kane would want to fight against the Shield. Yeah. Because he just appeared. But it's like you have to remember when he was corporate Kane, Seth Rollins used him as a punching bag. And yeah. kind of just buried him, and they feuded when Seth was a was a champion. And yeah. then you could say, you know, Roman Reigns just retired his brother, and he wants to avenge his brother. And Roman Reigns also bullied him. And Roman Reigns bullied Kane, and the Shield bullied Kane, and the Authority when Kane was on the Authority. So like there were there are ties to why Kane would dislike, especially Seth. And Roman, not really Dean, but whatever. Dean's just an enemy by association. And so it makes sense why he would associate with them. And they just, like, instead of explaining any of that, being like, you know, Kane's got bad blood with Seth, they just kind of had Kane show up in that. And they were like, oh, I guess he wants to fight someone. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. But, I mean, I'm happy Kane is back as a bad guy. 
Like, that's where he belongs. He doesn't belong in a corporate cane role, faking to be a good guy and being like a half alter ego, bad guy, good guy. He doesn't belong teaming up with Daniel Bryan for tag team championships. He should be punching holes through the ring, rising up and then carrying people through that hole in smoke. Unfortunately, he used a latch last week, not a hole in the ring, right? It was clearly just like a door that opened. <laughs> I don't think they had latches in the ring. I don't know. When you, if you look back, it looks like it's just like a door that was flapped open. Like he used to like tear in and like just be in a hole. But this is like just a perfectly cut square that he popped out of as if like he turned a knob and just opened the ring. It didn't happen because then what happens if somebody lands on the door and it breaks? Couldn't you say the same thing about what if somebody landed in the spot that he happens to rip open with his hands? There can't be anything under that area. There can because he has a razor and he's weakening it when the time comes and they're on the (laughs) other end of the ring. But the ring is a solid thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. (laughs) I guess you're right. It would know. make no sense for there to be a door under there. How would that even work? Oh, well, then he got sure. very, very crafty and precise with his razor because it was like a perfect sur- uh, square. If there was a out. door, I feel like people would realize the outline of the door in the ring <laughs> when you were watching on TV. Well, to be fair, I don't think anybody in the world could have predicted that Kane would somehow show up. I guess that's fair. Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, there's a strange hole in the ring. I wonder if Kane's down there. Fair. Fair enough. Did you watch Raw tonight? I watched all of it, um, except I went back and forth in the last segment until I saw that there was chaos, and then I stayed uh, with the Monday Night Football. But I did watch most of Raw. It was a pretty bad Raw up until the end. I liked the end. I know I talked a lot of shit about the end, but I liked the end. I thought it was funny. It was- I don't know what I don't know why Shane McMahon and the entire SmackDown roster came in from the stands. <laughs> like the shield. Well no, what doesn't make any sense to me is why they did that, because I feel like if you're the general manager of Raw like Kurt Angle is, there are people talking to you all night, right? And at some point somebody's telling you, Hey, I just saw Rusev. Buying popcorn at the concession stand. Do you know why Rusev is here? And Kurt Angle be like, no, I don't know why Rusev is here. Oh, shit. They must be planning an attack. Do we know why Kurt Angle's backstage gimmick is just being on the phone with a random person constantly? I don't know like, why. Every single time <laughs> they show him backstage, he's mid-conversation about nothing. He's just mid... And the worst thing is that he doesn't hang up on the call. (laughs) Right. He just holds it there and then talks to the person and then goes back. The other thing, I I don't think I ever mentioned this with the whole Jason Jordan being his son thing, but the day before they did the reveal, Kurt was on the phone with somebody, and he said, yeah, we'll go out there together next week and announce it to the world. Yeah, I love you too. That was like the end of the conversation, and then Jason Jordan came out. So he was saying, I love you too, to Jason Jordan, who he's never actually met Yeah, in person. Like he just – him and Jason Jordan are exchanging I love yous, 
just learning that their father and son like to i don't think that you just learned that he was your kid you would say i love you too well like if you don't feel any resentment toward the kid you just found out you have you love your kid well sure i'm not i'm not criticizing him for loving his kid for sure but i am criticizing somebody jason jordan just discovered on that phone call that I'm your dad, and he says I love you to him. That's like a pretty, that's a pretty open guy. Like very a lot of love going on. Maybe that should be his new gimmick. No, I don't want any more Maria and Mike Canellis. Which, by the way, where have they been? Hopefully gone. They're terrible. They were feuding with Sammy, who's now worse people than them. Yeah, I'm glad. I haven't watched any SmackDown since Sami Zayn pulled uh, Kevin Owens off the table. So I have no idea what's going on there. I'm going to watch tomorrow and hopefully figure something out. Yeah, you, I'm way behind on my SmackDown. Uh, it's unfortunate, but in the last month and a half, I think Raw has become the more watchable show than SmackDown again. And I feel bad saying that. It just it fluctuates so quick, though. So like, I feel like I have to watch both because... It really does, like, in the in the instant. Like, it could be, like, a two-week feel. And it could be like, Raw is so great. And then it'd just be like, wow, Raw sucks. SmackDown's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't make any sense. You haven't missed much the last two weeks. Uh, Sammy is giving pretty good heel promos. I, figured, I feel like he'd be good at that. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's doing the, uh, like... I, I I didn't do I did this for myself if, if type of gimmick the you know I'm not a bad guy but I had to do something for myself for a change and then like Kevin comes out and then they make fun of everybody it's pretty good. So I don't understand I don't understand that promo. You could do that with anybody else. Why do you have to do it for Kevin Owens, the guy who like almost and tried to end your career like four times and doesn't like you like you can do something for yourself and not help kevin owens well he, he was saying that he saw how how successful kevin owens was going down the path and only looking out for himself and how uh, unsuccessful Sami Zayn was trying to help others so Sami said that he he realized that kevin was right all along Sami Zayn has been very unsuccessful unfortunately he's a good guy also and this goes to the future of WWE. Is there a match less exciting than Miz Baron Corbin at Survivor Series? <laughs> no, I don't think so. That match is horrible, and it, it ruins it. It ruins things more because it makes the Miz can't be on the uh, Raw team now. Yeah, we can't get the Misfits. Right, the Misfits should have been on there. I, I don't understand why they aren't called the Misfits. Nobody does, but I don't. I just don't want to see because, like, the Miz and Baron Corbin are the exact same character. Only the Miz is infinitely better than Baron Corbin in that neither of them can win a match by themselves. So how is that match going to end? Double countout. <laughs> I, I have liked Baron Corbin a lot more the, uh, the last few weeks. Don't lie to yourself. No, I, I do because I, I like that his whining seems so authentic because he just seems like – he does seem like an asshole in real life and he just – he's like a baby. 
and like he's a bad a really bad actor and a really bad promo which kind of makes it better in a weird way what does that even mean (laughs) i don't know i like i like how his delivery is really dry and lame like like you could tell that he's trying but not good at it and it kind of goes with his character guess like i and like it, that he's bad so you like him in an ironic way I, maybe <laughs> i think that's probably fair i like <laughs> him because of his faults yeah that's definitely liking somebody in an ironic way yeah. that's definitely not liking somebody <laughs> no I, I probably hate his guts you're right like if you were dating a girl and you told your best friend well i hate the way she talks moves or does really anything but she's cool. I like her. That wouldn't be liking her. It sounds like you hate everything about her. <laughs> okay, you're right. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> David's the resident Vern Corvin expert, and he's no longer with us, so. I can't believe he chimed in for five minutes and then left. I'm still floored by it. I don't know what make what what's more disappointing the fact that he actually showed up or that he only showed up for five minutes i mean i I think we should do this more often like that we need music though we need music ready so when his picture pops up we're like (laughs) play and then it goes where it was just ridiculous i saw the picture pop up and i kind of got scared (laughs) like it was like a legitimate wwe pop uh, well, is there anything else we actually have to talk about? I mean, I'm, oh, hopefully we'll be able to do a uh, Survivor Series preview in a few weeks. Yeah, I think that's what we need to do, but I don't think so as of right now. Um, David's not here for his big how he would book it, and I don't think we have anything in the mailbag this week. Oh, that's the other thing that we lost in the uh, the Lost Pod episode was the... Uh... Oh, that was a good mailbag question. Well, well, you know what? We didn't waste it. Well, and I think we all had to think about it a little more. Uh, yeah, we'll bring it back for the Survivor Series preview. Yeah, we'll we'll do that, or maybe even give it its own episode. We can uh, we could we could think. I got to think a little more. Batista was one of my answers, and I don't know if I could really live with myself and if people <laughs> knew that. I think that one is cool. I don't. I thought that one was a cool when you said it. But is it? But I think it's only cool because of his action. <laughs> the machine gun? machine gun might be the only cool part about it. I, I can't imagine it nowadays without the pyro. Oh, yeah, no, it's bad. Brock Lesnar's <laughs> entry is so much more lame now that there's no pyro. Yeah, and, and I never really thought the pyro was even necessary for him, but once it's gone, it's so, like, lame. Because he, like, he just shouldn't do, like, the fist slam anymore. Oh, like, he does it, and it's silent, and then he, like, makes a little grunt because he can't actually make noise because he's a very quiet man. I wonder if they got rid of it because of Goldberg. Oh, because he burned himself? <laughs> well, also, it's like Goldberg has the coolest pyro, like, interaction because he breathes it, which seems terrible for just your body in general. There's a lot but, of terrible things about Goldberg, if you think about it. He constantly slams his head into walls and makes himself bleed and get concussed. He walks through flames. He sucks in smoke and fumes. It's not even smoke. It's like 
poisonous fireworks smoke. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like lighting up a, like lighting up a firecracker and smoking it like a cigar. He does have cool music, though. Did anybody pick Goldberg's? No, I don't know that. I hate that entrance. It's too long. That's true. It's like picking the Undertakers at WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, the real I, answer. I mean, I guess we should tell the listeners. One day we're gonna we're going to rank our favorite WWE entrances. And it'll yeah, be- no, Goldberg's too long because it starts from him like in the back of the arena. The real I, the real answer is probably just picking the last four Triple H WrestleMania entrances yeah. if we're going to be specific. Well, I mean, the one where he fought Daniel Bryan to the best entrance of all time. Yeah. Who? It um, wasn't it Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss and somebody else who were the people carrying him. Was it? Yeah, like if you look back, it was all of the Divas Revolution people. Hmm. I didn't know that. It's just that you didn't, like, you couldn't have known before because they had the masks, but if you go back, it was, like, actually the women who are fighting now, which is, like, pretty interesting and degrading at the same time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Goldberg that I, that my biggest problem with Goldberg's entrance is that it just seems like WWE is paying a lot of people to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> But there are like nine people on his way to the ring who are just sitting on the walls. And I'm like, why are you just sitting there? Go do your job. Do something. It seems like a poorly, you know, run country. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, you not watching Raw. You've been missing the fashion files. Oh, SmackDown? Or SmackDown, yeah. Yeah, have they been good? I mean, are they, are they trying to figure something out again? Or are they just... I mean, I've, I've seen on things on Twitter that the Ascension are still trying to be their best friends. It's the same things over and over again, but it's still fun. And the Bludgeon Brothers. You're missing the Bludgeon Brothers. Who are the Bludgeon Brothers? It's uh, Eric Rowan and what's his name? The other one. Why? The other Wyatt? <laughs> yeah, what's the other guy's name? Harper? <laughs> yeah, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan are, are tag team again. What? Or they just have promos where they stand in the woods and speak in- incoherently. And at the end they say, we are the Bludgeon Brothers. And then it like has thunder and lightning in the background and it goes away. <laughs> but they're, somehow they're friends again. Those, those two have the worst friendship of all time. <laughs> it's very bizarre. I'm not really... I feel bad for them because there's like... There's absolutely no way either of them could ever have a different gimmick. No. I mean, look at Harper. It's disgusting. (laughs) If you saw Harper on the street, you'd run away. And not because you thought he's a WWE wrestler. It's because you think he was homeless. And a homeless person that big would be terrible for society. Just Mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. Uh, It's it's, uh, abusing food stamps and uh, scaring children. Luke Harper's homeless, and he comes up to you and asks you for a dollar? You can't tell that man no. <laughs> that can't menace to society. <laughs> He'd break all social norms. So, no, I mean, and the problem is, is that Luke Harper, does he still do that 
hey, hey, hey thing. <laughs> he doesn't. His talking scares me. You know, just just watch the uh, watch the promo package because they haven't debuted yet. But the promo package, it's just it's exactly what you'd expect with the talking. <laughs> it's like I sleep with socks, and like it's just like that's it. It's just like a very dry that's delivery. That's been a good team that attacked Brizongo. I think that's what we're getting at. Maybe, hopefully. I think they've given up on that. <laughs> the Ascension mentioned that in the last episode. <laughs> they were like, you guys didn't even solve the last one. <laughs> yeah, they definitely haven't solved any mystery. They got attacked three times and never solved who attacked them. <laughs> All right, Troy. I think we've got to go, Troy. We're about we're about in an hour. All right. Well, it's been fun. I'm glad we got David. Hopefully, yeah. the strike's over now. He'll hear the authentic, uh, the real uh, apology. apology. I'm so glad we I did it. Pick this one up. Oh yeah, ASAP. Working on it now before I go to bed. Oh my god, it's already 12:30. I'm finished. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta get it up because if we if we don't get it up, he's never gonna hear the apology, and the strike may never end. All right, I'm working on it now. <laughs> For everybody who's listening as this posts, happy Tuesday. We'll see you guys at the Survivor Series. Yep. See you, Troy. Peace out.